take over doubt, we gon' make it Show the world that I shine in our greatness Keep it real, never gon' fake this Till we make it, till we make it Taking off, flying high like a spaceship Take control, take a shot, what you Welcome back, everybody. This is Danny with Shake the Earth Podcast. I got my good buddy. You're kind of the co-host now. Co-host now? Yeah, Landon. <laughs> Unofficial co-host. Landon Sperry. You're running the technology. You're going to be asking some of the questions. Today, yeah. we are going to be doing a Q&A. We're going to do these every once in a while. We get a lot of questions. Uh, people asking for advice or, mm-hmm. hey, a- answer this question that I've got. And so we've got, what, we got a handful of them? Two or three? Yeah, there's a couple. There's a couple of good ones. So we're going to do that today. No real guests other than you and I. <laughs> Hopefully it's not as boring. I, I can... You know, Talk actually, I was looking at the numbers and not to like uh, let people peek behind the curtain too much, but uh, people really seemed to like the last time we did a Q&A. Really? So they really did. Even, yeah. at, yeah. but I mean, we had Jeanette Bennett you, on. We had, Here's the thing, though. Had, Danny Danny doesn't give himself enough credit. He's more interesting to listen to. And and, and here's, the, here's the crazy thing. You didn't promote that episode. No, I don't. You like didn't By talk design. about it. Danny didn't talk about the episode that was mostly just us. <laughs> And he'll talk about the other ones when they come out, but he didn't talk about that one and it still did really well. So well, that there must have been, whoever the, the guest was before that, we must have had some tail effects. So, <laughs> so, oh, so, so we got a couple questions though. Yeah, we got a couple good ones. Uh, just to kick this off, Danny, how do you determine a good opportunity from a bad opportunity? Jeez, man, I've, I've taken advantage of some bad opportunities. Yeah. And, how many, how many uh, do you think? Oh man. A different way to name a bad opportunity is like, how do you lose money? You know, in business, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. a bad opportunity. You lose, you lose resources, you lose mm-hmm. time, whatever it might be. So that's how I look at it. And I look at times where I've invested money or I've or I've put resources into something and it didn't go anywhere, it fizzled out. Most of the time is because I didn't put time, energy, or focus into it. One of those was yeah. missing. Yeah, or all three. Or all three. Um, typically, and so. When I look at opportunity, and, and this is this is a question that we get asked, and I've, I've been asked several times, is how do you how do you look at a good opportunity? Is mm-hmm. it a good one? Is it a bad one? It all depends on you. Like it, what do you want to accomplish? What is the opportunity? And okay. um, you know what what is your expected outcome? You asked, you know, what are some bad ones that I've had? Yeah. So so shortly after I departed. Um, my first startup, mm-hmm. I had a couple people approach me and say, "Hey, let's let's build a website. It's going to be a website about children's clothing, children's products, whatnot." I said, "You know what? Great." So I moved forward on it. We put some money in, and you know what? To be honest, I wasn't super passionate about it, and so okay. I think I didn't take I didn't take it as serious. It ended up being I don't know that it was a bad opportunity, but it was poorly executed on my part. Mm. So in the end, it was a bad opportunity. Because you also have to look at opportunity cost. It didn't right? align. It didn't align with what I wanted to do. I put time and resources and effort into it. Uh, probably not as hardcore as I normally do with other things. Mm-hmm. And it, it really, I, I mean, I lost probably ten or fifteen thousand dollars on that. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I mean, that's a lot of money to lose on something that you think is going to make you money. Mm-hmm. And so that is one that I that oftentimes comes to mind. And I I have told people about it. I'm, I'm you know, it's not going to kill me at all, but it is one thing that, uh, that I've looked at. Um, the other was I was super young. I was like 24 and I wanted to get into real estate. Like I had it in my head. I got to, I want to get some real estate. I want to get a a duplex. And so we bought a duplex, my wife and I, and, uh, it was way more work at the time than I expected. Mm -hmm. And 
could it have been a good opportunity? Yes, I think if I was still holding on to it now, but it was so overwhelming that it literally crushed my desires to own <laughs> real estate, it, which is funny because now I, I own real estate you, now. You do, yeah. And I own yeah. a good amount. And so it's- Which still, I'm surprised your spirits still aren't crushed because I don't know if anybody knows, but you've had floods to I've deal with. Floods. You've had, had fires a, had to a deal fire. with. Yeah, we had a fire in one of our units. We had to, we had to, we put in um, our tenants into a hotel room for a month and a half, almost two months. Jeez. And, and so, but that experience, that, that, bad opportunity, Mm -hmm. that bad experience was a really, really good one for me to go through Mm -hmm. because it prepared me for, you know, three, four years ago where we started acquiring some properties and whatnot. But was that pre 2008? Dude, it was 2008. It was 2008. (laughs) It was the worst time. (laughs) That would crush anyone's spirits. It was the worst time. And then, you know, you start wondering how long is it going to take for me to bounce back from it. Luckily, we were able to sell it. And like, I literally, I think the net net of it was like we, it was like a hundred dollar (laughs) profit. Like when you factor everything, it was hilarious. Hilarious. But it was a good, it was a good thing. Now, again, was that a bad opportunity? Uh-huh. Or was it a bad execution? I think I think I would say it's bad execution on my part, mm. which I could look back and say, well, that was a bad opportunity. I could have taken some mm. money and put it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And so it, a lot of it is how you analyze the opportunity, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what drives me nuts is people saying one day. Mm-hmm. One day I'm going to take this opportunity. One day I'm going to do this. One day. It's like, you know what? Indecision and analysis paralysis kills more dreams than failure does. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't you don't actually ever learn anything if you're if you're not doing it. Do you think that comes with certain personality types more than others? I do. People that really want to like look before they leap. Yeah, you know, I, well I know I, I do. And I, I, I believe that there are people that are very, very analytical. They're gonna take a long time to determine the next move that they're going to make. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad thing. I don't think that's a bad thing at all. In fact, there are people that need for their careers and their profession, they need to be doing that. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I, I want my doctor thinking really long and hard before he cuts me open. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. is this right? Yeah. But for the most part, I think a lot of people overthink things. I think they hype themselves up mm-hmm. and, and scare themselves. On the other hand, I know people that jump in and then they realize what I have. I have no idea what I'm doing. Too trusting, maybe too or, trusting, or they're too uh, they're too eager to um, to jump into something, and it it really doesn't pan out. I know mm. a handful of people that, gosh, it just seems like every single move they're making is a scramble, desperation, kind of, yeah. uh, just not really, yeah, seeing the long game, more like a short term. Yeah, so I always think about that when I see those signs on the side of the road, those day trade my money signs. Oh my gosh, you know, you know, I've like, actually wow. called those dudes. You have, I have. You know why? Why? And this is kind of a side thing into my brain. I love talking to them to see what they actually say. Uh, okay. Not because I'm interested like, oh, I want to day trade your yeah, money. Yeah, but, but like, just like, what's your pitch? Dude, I love watching infomercials. Yeah. I love watching like televangelists. You know this. I <laughs> yeah, love watching dude. televangelists. Yeah, yeah. It's just this weird thing. I like I like it. They, that appeals it's to so a certain entertaining. type of person though, right? Yeah. It's, it's like some people go in for that. They're like, oh, I yeah. need some money. I, I, I have a few friends that are like every so often they'll make a post on social media and say, hey, how can I make like a quick thousand bucks this week? You know? Jeez. And, uh, you and know, it, it's do, like. Do they ever do it? I, I don't know. Cause it's a constant cycle. It, it keeps coming back up. It's if like. If they ever do, I, I want to know. Th- I need th- I I know exactly. Know it's like, well, way. if you find a way to make a, you know, really quick grand, then why wouldn't you just keep doing that thing? Why is it so appealing though? Why, why are people willing to pay money for motivation 
or an opportunity. Like one yeah. thing that comes to mind, I was in college and I had a good buddy who, a smart guy, like really smart dude. Like mm-hmm. he literally paid $40,000 for a class that was going to teach him on how to build his real estate empire. Like he oh, leveraged everything, put it all like on a, debt. It wasn't like a Trump U kind of thing, was it? You know what? It was it was something Similar. like that, yeah. but it was forty thousand. And you know what I told him? I remember telling him this at the time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, take that forty grand and go buy a property and mm-hmm. learn that way. Mm-hmm. Learn the way you're going to do it by actually doing it versus telling somebody. But I think people get in the habit of when they're looking for opportunities, they look for motivation as well at the same time. I think they go hand yeah. in hand. Yeah. And you have these. You have a lot of people paying for motivation. And that's what he did. And so it, it put him back a long time. How does that, how do you feel about like, um, I mean, how does that play into mentorship? You know, the idea of having a mentor for something and almost like learning from somebody who's been there yeah. versus like, what is the difference between that and I, what you're talking about? I think that's a really good question. So like the difference between mentorship and like paying for paying education, for, uh-huh. right? So I, I look at mentor because there I have a handful of mentors, people, they may not even realize they're mentors to me. Mm. People I've actually told them that they are, but I look at a mentor as somebody who wants your well-being first over money. Okay. So if money gets involved at some point, it's mm-hmm. mutual. It's, it's because you want, for example, one of my partners, man, I'll say his name is Bo Holland. Mm-hmm. He, he's a good buddy of mine, but he's a mentor to me. And we actually became friends, mentored, and then we started investing together and we own okay. real estate and we've done, we've done some investments together, but it was a, it was a, it wasn't like, Hey, pay me and I'll mentor you. Yeah. 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 And then, and then you can go out and go do these things. It was, Hey, I'm going to mentor you because you're, you're young and hungry and, uh, you want to learn the real estate side and he's a real estate guy and he's a yeah. construction guy. Yeah. So I would look at the difference as being, what is the, what is the mentor looking for in return mm-hmm. in the, in the short term and the long okay. term? Yeah. Uh, because there's a lot of, you know, you can do an internship, you, you may or may not get paid, right? Mm-hmm. There's a transaction there, mm-hmm. but you're going to learn something. And then you have like an apprenticeship where you actually go all in right with that person. I think those are paid. If you want to be a watchmaker, you got to do an apprenticeship or a jewelry uh, jeweler, those types of things where you're going to get a specific trade. But I think a mentor, everybody needs to have one. Mm -hmm. Make sure that that person has your best interest in mind and that it's not initially. Yeah. Yeah. I'll mentor you if you pay me a thousand bucks or 500 bucks a month or whatever it might be. So how, if somebody's like, Hey, I want to get into something. I, I'm looking for a mentor, and I don't know. Let's say it is real estate. Yeah. Let, you know, what What should somebody do if they're really earnest and serious about that? You your know? Your immediate network. I'm always surprised at how many people are available and willing mm. to offer insight mm-hmm. for nothing in return. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I get approached. I know you do. People are eager to learn, especially young people that are trying to establish themselves. Yeah. Look at your network. Look at your parents' network. For example, you know, Bo, he was my neighbor, you know, and and he came over and we got to know each other and it took a year, year and a half, two years before we got to that level where it was like, hey, I want to learn more about real estate. Mm -hmm. Will you teach me? I know you own real estate. Mm -hmm. And I asked him and I I talked to him and I knew that he was a a successful, upstanding guy. You know, you also have to prove yourself. Don't just ask and then not do anything with it. Yeah contribute, you know, so now I'll bring investment deals to him that maybe I'm not involved in, or, Mm -hmm. you know, we, you work very hard to, to make sure that he's taken care of as well. So for a young person, 
be very selective though. Like I, I think that's where a lot of people also get caught up is they're like, mm-hmm. oh, this person did this or he told me he did this and oh, now he wants 500 bucks a month or 500 bucks to have, you know, him teach me how to do this. Be, I, yeah. I just be always aware. How does that kind of play into like maybe somebody, let's say somebody's like, I just don't know anybody who could fill that role in my life right now. I don't want to go out and pay for that kind of thing. What kind of role could self-motivation play for anybody in that position? Do you, or or first off, do you even believe that self-motivation is possible? Dude, I, I really do. I think that people are, they're capable of incredible things. One of those things being, being able to self-motivate. And I think once they, once you learn how to Mm self-motivate, you become much more strong and resilient to failure or trials. I really do. Not that I am like the master of self-motivation, but I hate self-help books. Mm -hmm. I hate them. I don't, I don't buy into this, this uh, notion that you have to pay people like name it, Tony Robbins, let's just Mm -hmm. say he has made a business, not being successful, starting a business or running a business. He made a business selling motivation to motivationless people Mm -hmm. over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And so is there good there? Yeah. You know what? There are some good principles. I've heard some pretty bad things as well. Um, but I think once you get to that point where your purpose and your why is very, very clear, then it's a matter of how resilient are you? How, how, how resilient are you to stay the course when it gets extremely difficult? So it's like self-motivating through your own goal setting and your own kind of like aspirations and keeping those front of mind. Yeah. The, the, there's a quote and I'm going to butcher it, but the true character of a, of a person is if they can maintain that intensity after the initial emotion Mm, has passed. Yeah. Right. So can you maintain, everybody has a good idea. Why do you think New Year's resolutions are so popular (laughs) for two weeks of the year? Right. Everyone has those ideas of Mm self-improvement, but it's, it's those few that actually will continue to do it. You look at the, I mean, we're in consumer goods. We know, we know the dietary supplement market pretty well. Mm -hmm. The big companies that expand and grow really quickly are the ones that can tie into that emotional need for motivation as well. Weight loss. Okay. Uh, appearance, those types of things that are mm-hmm. uh, constantly motivating people to take action, to change their lives. Um, but I guess what, what I'm saying is the, the motivation it, within a person, yes, it can exist and you can teach yourself. I think I've taught myself to a certain degree, teach yourself to when you recognize a lull or when you recognize that you're kind of waning in your, your motivation or your desire. Often for me, it's like, the desire is the desire still there to keep doing okay yeah this over and over and over again yeah right okay because you're talking motivation here have your motivations changed over time absolutely yeah yeah i'd say early on in my career it was it was we didn't have any money like mm-hmm. try to make try to make enough money to live it's almost to make like that, that that hierarchy of needs yeah you got to right? take you, care of your immediate yeah. needs i got to pay for the the gas to go yeah. to work i got to pay for insurance and those types of things about Four years ago, four and a half, five years ago, mm-hmm. I'd say the, those motivations, I think, changed for me. Uh, I had just left my f- company and, that I had started uh, with some guys, and there was a, like just an inherent level of stress that came with that. I, I had left uh, a, a decent paying, a, a good paying job. Yeah. I'd left uh, a company that I had helped found. It, well, it sounds like the company had kind of gotten a little away from 
what you your vision for it was earlier on. Yeah, it, it, it definitely it, it kind of shifted more towards a shareholder mindset yeah. as how yeah. do you take care of the shareholder and, and yeah. uh, make sure that investment. We raised a bunch of money. Uh, it was a consumer good product that we had in stores. And it shifted. Yeah, it, it definitely shifted. But also with the shift also came a shift in ownership. Hmm. And so what that meant was my ownership, my actual ownership meant mm-hmm. less uh, right. to me at the time. Yeah. And with that, you lose autonomy. Mm-hmm. And I, I still remember the day we raised money. And then, you know, a few months later, they're like, okay, everybody's, we're going to get on. We need to know what your vacation holidays are, when you want to take time off. And it was like, I, well, I wasn't used to that. You know, mm-hmm. so those kind of everything changed at that same time. But when I left, it was it was kind of scary because I realized I had to motivate myself now. Mm-hmm. I had motivated myself in the beginning, starting that business while we grew, but I almost forgot what it was like. You have to motivate yourself every single day to go make something. And so when I, I realized really quickly, I was getting pulled in a few directions after I left, you know, a couple companies were paying to consult, paying me to consult. Uh, I had a couple projects and I sat down with my wife and I'm like, there's just, uh, there's too many things that I could be doing. What do I want to do? Yeah. And it was, I want to do, I want to start another company and I want to work directly with our customers. And then I mapped it all out. I had had the idea for the next business written in a notebook, but then it's actually doing it right. So you got to mm-hmm. be super motivated to actually execute, put your own money down and then maintain that level of intensity to grow the business. So yeah, there's definitely motivators in that. I got to take care of my family. I got to take care of the bills. I got to take care of employees, um, our customers, whatever it might be. But those motivations. It's like uh, a higher level for yeah. you now. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a, a super personal level. level of self-fulfillment. Yeah. That kind of thing contributing to the world. Yeah. So yeah. So back to your question is it's not so much focused around money now so much mm-hmm. as it is impact. So where are we making an impact? If I can make an impact in your life, for example, you mm-hmm. work with me, mm-hmm. uh, in your family, it's not just you, it's your wife, it's your kids yeah. or your child. It's mm-hmm. um, all of our employees. So I look at it differently now. It's employee and their spouse and their kids. Mm. And then it's you know our representative, our sellers, their families. How can you make an impact Money's a byproduct, I guess, of that now. Gotcha. That's yeah, how it that makes sense. It. Yeah. That makes sense. So, okay, kind of to tie this together, how do you make things happen? How do you actually get these things done? Like when it comes right down to it, yeah. a lot of people want to do these kinds of things. Yeah, I think I think people that do are really good planners. Okay. And the first step is planning. And I, four years ago, I when I you know as I said, I left. Mm-hmm. One of the first things I did was I I always carry on a journal a black journal. Uh, it's always on my desk, in my mm-hmm. car, wherever it is. Yep, I always yep. write things down. You've seen it. See that. Um, what I, what it, bo- what I boil down, this is what works for me. Now you might do it differently. Somebody else might do it differently, but I, I think I might write a book on it because I think it's, it's eye opening. There's three things that determine an outcome, time, energy, and focus. And as human beings, we only have so much time. You and I have the exact same amount of time in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so time is equal. It's the energy and the focus part that are not. Hmm. So the energy, I look at energy as any resource, both physical, monetary, asset, anything that you have that you can put into something. Mm-hmm. And that something is the focus. So my energy could be seed capital. 
It could be human capital. It could be my resources and connections that I had from my previous business. It could be anything that that constitutes uh, that's going to make an action, right? Okay. So I, I I will list that out. Okay, what is it that I want to spend my time on? I want to spend my time on this podcast, for example. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you and I are spending a half an hour, forty five minutes on this podcast. The energy that we're using is the experiences that you and I have had in our lives. Those are the resources that we can give to it. Um, any other uh, energy would be actually sitting here physically talking, going over the process. After this, you're going to have post-production, right? Yeah. Those are the types of things that you can put into it. And those are typically tactical and more to-do list type items. Okay. And then the focus is what is the topic? What is the purpose of this of this podcast, you know, it's to help uplift people, mm-hmm. give people an idea that average people can do some pretty amazing things when they're consistent with it. And so every month or so, I'm always making a t- what's called a TEF chart. It's mm. a time, energy, and focus. And I do it for my personal life. I do it for my, uh, I'm a religious guy. I go to church. I'm a Christian. Um, I do it for my religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do it for my career. And you'll see it, time, energy, and focus. What are the things that I'm spending my time on? And then of those things, what energy am I contributing to it? And am I actually focused on it? So once I did that, I saw my business. I'll I'll actually share with you. I saw this was early, early stage when I started Wink Naturals. We were barely anything. Like We were doing hardly anything in revenue. Mm -hmm. But the month that I decided to create a TEF chart, with Wink, we went from basically fifteen thousand dollars a month to like fifty five thousand. Wow! And it and what it was was a f- it was a shift, and so that was four years ago, almost four years ago. But I think to your question of how are people getting stuff done, there's really only two things: are you planning for it, which is my for me, it's TEF, time, energy, and focus, and then the other execution. Mm-hmm. Your execution, you don't have a hundred percent control over the outcome. But mm-hmm. you have a lot more than you think, and it might fail. It might do well, um, but you you really you really don't have a hundred percent. I mean, I to this day yeah. you don't know. I don't know if my all my units in Washington are going to go on fire. You know, start on fire. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that. But we put a lot of time, <laughs> energy, and focus into them, and yeah. uh, and they've been a great investment. That's that's so funny because I come from like a video production background, right? And mm-hmm. I've had a lot of videos that I've worked on where the idea was great and, and all these things, but the execution wasn't there. Yeah. And it's always it's one of the saddest things to ever see is that if the execution didn't meet everything else being where it needed to be, yeah, it, it doesn't matter. Which is why you might have a guy or a gal buy a business that's not doing well mm-hmm. and turn around and sell it for ten times what they bought it for a year later. The execution, execution was there, poor. Right? I, I know one of my professors sold. He, I mean, he, his story is a little bit different. He sold a big business. He sold it for okay. a good amount. Turned around. The, the, the private equity firm bought it, turned around within 18 months and sold it for like three times as much as he, he wow. got paid like a year and a half before. He had worked on it for like 15 or 20 years. Oh, my gosh. And so I don't feel bad for him. He made a lot of money. But yeah. the execution side of the management, as you say, yeah. You cannot have you cannot execute poorly on a good idea and have a good outcome. Yeah, yeah. That makes me think of the things that you, you would hear. Like my, I feel like I had a lot of like high school teachers that would do that cliche. Um, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Yeah, right. Total cliche, but it's actually really good. But it's true. It's true. <laughs> it's, yeah, true. it's true. And I think people, you you get used to hearing things, and you go, yeah, yeah. Everybody knows that. But it, but does does everybody know that? Yeah. You know, if they knew that, they would do it. 
right? One, one thing that I've heard, I heard this at a presentation and I actually, because I didn't believe it at first, and I looked it up and again, take this for what it's worth, go Google it, but I've seen it a few times. Mm-hmm. If you write something down, if you literally write it, not type it or put it into a computer, I'm, you're talking like physically paper and pen, okay. write it down, you're 43% more likely to accomplish it. That's almost 50%. If you have problems losing weight every January 1st, which is 100% of the time when people dedicate themselves to eating healthier and being skinnier, whatever it might be, yeah. I would say try this. Try writing down your goals every single day. Mm-hmm. Write them down. That kind of affirmation, that confirmation. You know this story because I've shared it with you a handful of times. The idea for Wink Naturals happened on a flight back from New York City in 2011. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it down. I didn't actually get to do it because I was still at my previous company for almost four years. But it was written down and it was documented. And what it was, it was the backbone of what my next company was going to be. Yeah. And it's a multi-million dollar company now. It's it that's that's the power of it. Give yourself some patience, but execute on what you write down. So this is crazy? like this is like a total aside, but how often do you because you must have tons of notebooks. I do. Tons of notebooks. I do. How often do you or do you go back and just reread any of these notebooks from years past? Yeah, I do. In fact, I did that recently. I have in my office I have a whole shelf full of them. And they're not all mm-hmm. black, but they are um I I can pick them out. Mm-hmm. And I have the dates on them usually. Uh, I, I I started that in college, okay, because I almost flunked out of college uh, mm-hmm. at BYU, and uh, I was having a really hard time keeping my schedule, my goals, and everything together. Mm-hmm. And it all started with a little kind of a two and a half by three and a half little notebook that I carried in my back pocket. And so once I did that, I put my schedule and everything I needed to do, and I realized that not only was I able to perform a lot better. I was way more effective with my time. Mm. And that was kind of the eye-opening experience my freshman year at college because I didn't want to flunk, but I got really close to like not being able to keep up. Mm-hmm. I have to try really hard. You're probably not one of these kind of guys, but I have to try really hard to do well in school. <laughs> and so I'm, I was so eager when I actually got my diploma. <laughs> so happy. <laughs> but that's when I started, and I've been doing it ever since. And um, it's made a huge difference. It's so simple, though. Yeah, There's not a specific format. I usually get to pages where there's no lines so I can doodle. Mm-hmm. I can draw product ideas or, or draw graphs and mm-hmm. uh, kind of flow charts from the way my brain works. You've seen mm-hmm. my laptop. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I do that, and I, I've been doing it ever since. In fact, I need to find the one from, from Wink when I was there, the when Wink I had one. that first idea. I remember specifically I yeah. was on a flight back. And you know what the crazy thing is? You and I talked about this. I, had, I let my mind go. Ah, I said, um, and this is kind of a tangent to everything, but I think this is important for people. I let my mind go. I said, there are no constraints, Mm -hmm. capital constraints. There's no resource constraint. There's no idea constraint. There's no, there was no limitation. And I remember sitting there thinking, okay, what would I create Mm -hmm. if there was no limitation? And it was what Wink Naturals is today. I mean, there are some big, some big, some big pivots and changes and enhancements to what that initial idea was. But the goal was to create really, really phenomenal products and sell them directly to our consumers mm-hmm. and have a relationship with our customers and provide them a feeling that they can't get when they go to Walmart or Target or CVS. Or that whatever. connection, yeah, that's there. Yeah. That's that's so interesting. We we've got somebody who uh, we should actually have on the podcast who. 
the image writing and that kind of thing. Yes. I, it's kind of what you were tapping into. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you would be great to talk yeah, to you there's about a, that. There's a lady that we, we need to have her on because when she said that and we'll bring her on and have her talk about it, yeah. that's, that's the first thing that came to mind. That's what happened. Dude, it was yeah. like a vision. Yeah. Experiential kind yeah. of thing. Right. Yeah. You can taste it. You can smell it. You can. It was unreal. Yeah. Man, that's so cool. Um, okay. Well, that's probably all we have time for today. Um, guys, if you ever have any questions, you know what, for the time being, you can just email them to me, Landon at winknaturals.com. We love to hear you guys' questions, any of your feedback. We see your reviews. We may even start reading some reviews. Maybe we've got we some pretty good yeah, ones. We've got a lot. How many do we have now? Uh, 114. Holy smokes. I think it was, we just it was launched it, what? Two months ago. Two, barely two months ago. Yeah. A little over two months ago. Yeah. So, yeah. Some yeah. of these, uh, I like like the open format conversation like this. I think mm-hmm. we're going to have Landon on mm-hmm. more um, to do this because he does really well. And Landon also has a pretty incredible story. We were talking about entrepreneurship before, and I think right. we're going to continue that conversation maybe on another podcast. I know. I wish we were recording that one. That was, yeah. We yeah. had like a full on one. And I looked up and I said, hey, are we recording that? Because that was actually really good. But uh, yeah, Landon's super talented, uh, incredibly talented and very humble. So we're going to have him on. Appreciate you taking the time to listen to this. Hopefully you got something out of it. Remember, you're more powerful than you think. Go out and shake the earth. Shake the earth.